Hello and welcome to The HOA Show, where we discuss the news, problems, trends, and critical issues relating to life in a homeowner association. Join us every episode, and together we'll explore how to survive and thrive in the dizzying world of HOAs. Hello, and welcome to The HOA Show. I'm your host, Ryan Gazelle, and in this episode, condo lending issues, FNMA, FHA, and the condominium blacklist. I'm joined today by Natalie Stewart. Natalie is a co-founder and president of FHA Review, a third-party submission service specializing in helping condominiums obtain FHA and VA certification. She's a graduate of Cal State Fullerton and an active member of CAI in multiple chapters, currently serving as the PR chairperson for the California Legislative Action Committee. Thank you for joining us, Natalie. You co-founded this company in 2011, but before that, you were already involved in the HOA industry, weren't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I started my career in the HOA industry. I worked for a general contractor in Orange County. I was a sales and business development, working directly with associations on their exterior maintenance projects. So you've been around the block. Oh, yeah. I went around the block. I came back around the block and I've just been riding around the block ever since. (laughs) Doing laps. I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get to the nitty gritty. So first, we're going to discuss FNMA, commonly known as Fannie Mae, and then we'll move on to the FHA. And lastly, we'll get some tips and tricks from you for best practices. So let's start with Fannie Mae. Why is that important to condo owners? Well, Fannie Mae is important to condo owners and all homeowners in general. About 70% of residential mortgages are backed by Fannie Mae, which means they are the government-sponsored enterprises that are holding up the entire housing market. So that's, I mean, that's why it's important. It's a very, very easy answer. Absolutely. So talk to us about Fannie Mae and condo lending issues. Okay. Well, in recent years, and I'm talking really recent, this is since the Surfside collapse, that tragic accident, 98 people were killed. Horrible when that condominium building fell. Fannie Mae took a a step back and said, wow, we need to look at our lending standards for condominiums. If buildings are literally falling, we need to take a look at this. And as industry professionals, we know that buildings just aren't falling every day. So this is a crisis reaction that has had a ripple effect for just a standard residential condo anywhere in the US. So what they did is they've increased their scrutiny on condo associations. They're now looking for their lenders to obtain more information about the financial condition, reserve fund, and most importantly, a history of maintenance and repairs. And these additional requirements have made it really, really hard for the average association to provide that information and to make loans affordable and easy for their current owners for refis or their potential owners to get residential loans that are backed by Fannie Mae. Yeah, we've heard a lot of complaints from community managers talking about these, and board members as well, talking about these questionnaires that they get sent, wanting them to affirm the quality of the construction. Have you seen these questionnaires that get sent out? Oh, absolutely. I definitely understand the intent of Fannie Mae wanting to ask these questions and find out more information about these units and these these homes that they're going to essentially guarantee the mortgages on. I definitely understand the intent. What is missing is that there's no responsible party for this information. You've got a community manager who is great at their job. They're great at managing the community. 
they're not an architect. They're not a structural engineer. They're not licensed to assess this. Right. And almost all the time, they don't have a 20-year history with this community. Often they've just landed in this position. They've just taken over this account and they have to answer questions about deferred maintenance. So they're going to go to the board. Well, the board is a volunteer group of homeowners. Right. They're not contractors. Not at all. I mean, they might be. And sometimes that's not even a good person to have providing that information to because they come right. with a biased opinion on how their community is. It's a, it's a conflict of interest. However, the board, not only are they not necessarily the right people to answer these questions, they could be new as well. You could move into a community, land on the board, and now you're answering these questions. And it makes you feel really uncomfortable and also opens you up for potential liability. If you answer the question wrong, are they going to lose the sale? If you answer the question correctly, is Fannie Mae going to put you on a blacklist? It's a nightmare. It's an untenable situation for these folks to be put in. And 100%. And it's not fair. And the managers don't want to warrant any kind of construction or engineering validity. They don't want to say, yes, it's it's engineering from an engineering standpoint, it's in good shape. It will not fall down. Not only do they they don't want to, they shouldn't have to. Absolutely. Yes. And so that's so yes, I've seen the questionnaire and the questions are very detailed and they're very scary. And so yeah, that's the problem now. Those were released in late 2021, came into effect 2022. And the industry is actually adjusted fairly well. What happens is a condo questionnaire will be completed by the, the management company. That gets sent to a lender. This lender is, has, is Fannie Mae certified. That individual lender then makes the assessment for that loan. They're underwriters. It doesn't go to an overreaching Fannie Mae homeownership center like HUD does. It goes to a local lender, maybe at Wells Fargo, at Bank of America, Rocket Mortgage, wherever your lender is, they're going to make that determination. And also that lender is going to make the determination based on their appetite for risk at that time. Do they want to make that condo loan? Do they want to do this? So you're, you're getting a lot of opinions involved in this. And the attorneys in our industry that I respect greatly, they had to then deal with this. Like, how are we going to handle this? And basically what they've done, and I, I think it's the perfect answer, is they say, we don't have that information. You are permitted to go and obtain it. You can hire your own engineer. You can hire an architect. Here's the information we can provide you. And overall, that seems to have been working. What muddies it is when a determination is made and the lender then puts it on this so-called blacklist, which is the non-warrantable condo list, and the association is never told why. That's what really gets tricky. Well, let's talk about this blacklist. I, I read the article uh, that came out recently talking about this blacklist and how it exists and, and what is the blacklist? How do you get put on it? Is it just in California? No. So Fannie Mae has a tool that's called the Condo Project Manager, CPM. I've never seen it. I'm not a lender. I'm not Fannie Mae. I, I would die to see this. I, I didn't want somebody to come out of the organization and invite me in. To, I, I want to see the format. I want to see everything. <laughs> And you just simply input. So let's say um, Happy Village HOA. I'm a lender. I review it and I say, you know, wow, they have a huge special assessment. It doesn't look like they've got enough money budgeted. So I'm going to say that they don't have enough money in reserves and they're not eligible. So they input it into the CPM. 
this is how I imagine it happening. And then it gets just on this big list that all lenders can see nationwide that if you are a Fannie Mae lender. I don't actually know how to get off of it. I believe possibly in another transaction, you can apply through another Fannie Mae lender and supply them information. And you're never really actually told what the reason is. You mentioned that the reserves are are an issue. Do you know specifically what the trigger points are to be put on it? Or is it just if a lender is feeling squirrely and they didn't have a good experience and in retribution, they put you on this list? No, I don't believe any lender is doing this in retribution. Lenders want to loan the money. They want the loan to go through. This is not anything like that. The term that is used by most agencies, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, is adequately funded. Which, I mean, if you could tell me what's ad- adequate. That's a great question. What's the percentage trigger point that meets adequate? Most of my experience is in FHA. And adequately funded to them means, so they FHA is different. I know I'm jumping ahead in our conversation, but they look at it and they say, do they have enough money to meet the project needs for the next three years? So if you've got $500,000 in your reserve and you're reserving $100,000 a year for the next three years, and that gives you $800,000. They'll look at your reserve study and say, oh, they look great. They only have $325,000 worth of components that need to be replaced within the next three years. Or they'll look at it and they'll say, um, they've got $2 million of components that need to be replaced. And they'll say, what is your plan? There's got to be a special assessment. Are you applying for a loan? What is your plan? Because in the next three years, you've got got to spend more money to maintain your units than you have in the bank. I believe lenders are great at their function. They can make one heck of a loan, right? Like they can qualify a home loan like no other. I don't think they are educated enough to assess the the reserve funding of a community. Fannie Mae, I believe, just says, so I I don't know how how they determine it. I don't know what their definition is. And it's going to be depending on what underwriters actually looking at it and what their qualifications are. So in your experience, have you seen a percentage threshold where, you know, if they're below a certain percentage, they are more likely to be put on this blacklist or be denied the loan? Absolutely not. There's no consistency. The only thing that's consistent is there's no consistency. And that holds true for Fannie Mae and FHA? FHA is more consistent than Fannie Mae 10 times over. FHA will, is their approval process that everybody used to hate in that they developed in about 2009 and it really rolled out in 2011. When they developed it, they print their criteria. Their criteria is in writing and you can speak to somebody at a regional HOC. You can get their opinion. You can talk to them. Their transparency is huge. They've got a method to get off of their rejected list. They'll tell you how to fix your community so that you can qualify. So. We were talking about the threshold. Oh, there's no threshold. No, I've seen communities 2% funded. No problem. Get your loan. 45% funded. Uh, it's not going to do it for them. And there are triggers. Are you operating at a loss? The past two years of financials, are, are you in a budget deficit? You can look at a community, anybody in this profession that community managers, especially, and board members, they can look at a history of financials and the current situation and tell if a community kind of is in rough shape or not. Do they spend more money than they bring in? Have they been reserving adequately for the past few years? What does their reserve study look like? We have the tools. As a whole, Fannie Mae 
lenders don't have the background and resources, in my opinion, to be determining this right. on an individual basis. And it seems very subjective uh, as far as a, a you know a lender says, oh, I, I don't like the look of this percentage funded uh, in reserves, and I'm going to put you on the blacklist. That's my understanding. It's completely subjective. If there is criteria, what they need to do is print it and release it. So is there anything that a community, let's say they could put on the blacklist, how do they know they're on the blacklist? They just start seeing loans getting denied? Yeah. So I recently worked with a client who doesn't actually know. They hired an attorney to to figure this out. It's an, an interesting arrangement. There was the developer developed condominium building on one side, apartments on the other. And the original development paperwork indicated there were somehow they are somehow related but then along the way they got completely separate an easement or something yeah yeah and those are really hard to read i i read them all the time you have to be a real estate attorney and you have to then crack the paperwork to make sure it was done correctly which fannie mae they didn't bother so that condo association on the blacklist because it looks mixed use it 100 looks like they have apartment buildings within the same community the issue is they don't know how to get removed. They don't know how to fight the battle to get taken off. There's no mechanism that's public that that you can use to get off this blacklist. So are there attorneys that specialize in getting you off of the blacklist? Um, if they are, they should send me their number. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's move on to the FHA. What is the FHA? And how do those loans differ from Fannie Mae? So FHA is the Federal Housing Administration, and they are a they provide mortgage insurance. And in in a lot of people in their mind, they think um, FHA that's low income, that's a, a you know first time buyer, that's affordable housing, and it's actually not the case. It's simply a government backed mortgage insurance program, where if you do a Fannie Mae loan, that's a conventional loan that's conforming and you if you do under 20% down you're going to pay PMI which is private mortgage insurance. FHA has been around forever. I'm not even sure if they're before Fannie Mae, but they've been um providing this mortgage insurance for a long time. In 2008 after the that financial crisis, they private mortgage insurance pretty much dropped out of the um, condo lending market. They, you know, and rightfully so, like everybody's in business, they said, we can no longer insure these loans. They're falling out of the sky. So FHA then became like the loan to get, like for that moment, it was the loan to get. So they had to redo their entire approval process. Prior to 2008, if you were FHA approved, you were FHA approved for life. There was no expiration date. And there was a spot approval program that I've been told was basically done like on a napkin, like you're good, I'm good. We're again, let's give this loan. So they removed that and they they changed their program, which is how I got in this industry because it was such a tumultuous time. I had actually a community manager ask me, do you know somebody who can do this? And I had never heard of it. And when you say do this, you mean uh, get certification for FHA approval? Yeah. Do you know anybody, like any business partner that knows how to get a community FHA approved? They had a realtor at the time that could do it, but the cost was astronomical and they couldn't afford it. So they reached out to me. Is the process complicated to get FHA approved? 
Heck yeah, the guidelines, if you can find them at the time, they're hidden in a document that's like 1500 pages long. And they use like really, really complicated words to describe really simple things. And so that sounds like a government. Oh, no, no, the government has created my life. So I'm very thankful for all of this. However, in the process, so so when the manager asked me if I knew anybody and I didn't, I being me, I don't know why I am the way I am. I read the guidelines myself and I thought I can do this, but I couldn't see the astronomical cost. I couldn't see the thousands and thousands of dollars. And this manager was a good friend of mine being in the industry for so many years. And I said, you know, I'll let me try. Let me let me figure this out. And I did it and I got them approved and sent out an email. And I said, does anybody else need this? And people replied like, yeah, absolutely. It's we've been looking all over. So I built a website and and went nationwide like a month later. So So this is a nationwide thing, not just in California. Oh, these are both nationwide and federal programs, which is why these boxes are so limiting. They're not looking at California state laws and saying, you know, fit in that box. You're looking at a federal program. You have to fit in that box. It doesn't make as much sense locally, but it, it does globally. You mentioned an expiration date on the FHA certification. And that's a new thing. How long does your certification last? So going back, what is FHA and why is it important? FHA is the most stable, like if you've got a high loan to value, if you've got lower credit scores, if you've got student debt, if you've got programs like that, or a, a life like that, if you've got into some medical situation where you've got high bills, FHA is allows for you to still own a home. And condos are our affordable housing stock in California, in, in nationwide. That's supposed to be the most affordable type of housing. And if we can't get people in, a, in their first time home, how are we ever going to build? A, we're in a housing crisis because we've kind of created it. We do have affordable housing. We don't have affordable mortgages that are available to the average person. And so that's what FHA does. It allows people who want to have their kids in soccer programs, who want to be able to go on a, a weekend away with their family to still own a home and not have to put any, especially in California, man, a starter condo where I live is seven, $800,000. Like that's a lot of money. I worry for my children. Absolutely. You just, me too. I think I just want her to be, have a job and maybe, maybe own a home, but I'm going to be the one that has to save for it. Right. Because there's no way she's going to be able to have to save for her down payment on her first house. You'll have to accept it as a gift, which FHA allows for. There's all these programs, okay? And so FHA isn't bad, but it does have a slightly higher default rate. And in a long, long, long time ago, they had different programs. FHA of 2023, which is actually really funny. I was just at the National CAI convention and this woman said, yeah, it's not your mama's FHA. And I was like, that's so true because people think it's the same program that was around you know, in 1975, and it, it's just not. And the housing market isn't what it was in 1975. So we all have to allow for things to have changed and allow our mind to evolve because these different loan products allow for more people to purchase your home, to be homeowners. Why is it important for a community association to get pre-approval from uh, certification for FHA and VA? Okay, so FHA publishes a list. It's on the internet. Anybody can see it. It's updated daily. It's very, very accurate and timely. And that basically says FHA or HUD, um, this, is, this is a branch of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. 
has underwritten your community. We believe you guys are a stable enough community that we are going to approve FHA loans within your project for the next three years. The certification lasts for three years? Yes, they changed that in 2019. It was two years and they extended it to three. Just a huge bonus for communities that needed that additional year. And it's public, you can see it. Fannie Mae, interestingly enough, has a reciprocity agreement with FHA. So technically, and I've never seen it rescinded. Technically, if a community is on the FHA list, Fannie Mae should be okay with it. But since 2020, I've heard that that's not really the practice, but it sure helped a lot because FHA publishes this list, a lender, or most often the realtor, this is what happens when you go to sell your house. The realtor wants to market it. So you've got your condo at Happy Village and it's on the market. And in the description, you can say financing available, FHA, Fannie Mae, VA. You want that to be accurate because then if you're looking for a home, you you approach that listing and you say, that's great. I'm FHA approved. So I, that we match up. I'll be able to purchase that home or, or VA. VA is different. VA is Veterans, Department of Veterans Affairs. They still only approve the community once. It's just, it's a lifetime certification. So that one, I always, it's a lot easier because you only have to do it one time at this point. I, I mean, everything changes. So I can imagine that changing in the future, but they don't actually have the staff, I believe, or the infrastructure to have a program where it expires. So from a best practices standpoint, what do you recommend that boards and and communities do preemptively and maybe retroactively once they've been put on a blacklist? Oh, okay. So, well, the blacklist to me is a different situation. I guess if I was a community manager or advising a community manager who heard why they were on a blacklist, I would ask for that lender's phone number and call them directly and say, why was this loan denied? And is there a way I can provide you with information that you can now, you know, regardless of that loan, remove them from the blacklist? For example, and you're, I'm sure you're very familiar with the current insurance crisis. Wait, what? There's an insurance crisis? I know. This is news to me. (laughs) Yeah. As an insurance professional, I feel like you have heard of this. Yeah. Some communities are not able to get insurance in California. And if they do, they're paying astronomical rates. You should look into it. But what's happening, so 100% replacement cost is required by Fannie Mae, FHA, and VA. Everybody wants the loan that they make to be on a property that's insured. Well, required, but, you know, interesting enough, we have plenty of communities where they just can't afford to insure to 100% value. And we haven't seen an issue for the most part with loans being denied. And do you want to know why? I do want to know why. Because it goes to an individual lender. This lender, do they know how to read a COI? Do they know that 300 units at 5 million replacement cost isn't adequate? Like you have to connect the dots. And so, or do they know what coinsurance means? Do they know any of this? I'm going to go out on them and say they don't. HUD does. FHA 100% knows how to read a certificate of insurance and an insurance policy. And if they have questions, they will call you and ask you to explain it to them. But Fannie Mae then goes to a local lender and then they do the underwriting. And what happens is those Fannie Mae loans get bundled and then sold off to Fannie Mae. And then Fannie Mae then sells them to investors. 
as mortgage-backed securities. However, you have to unravel that bundle. And I always look at it like a bundle of firewood. There's all these loans all tied up in a bundle together. And are you going to take those out and individually look at them? I mean, maybe there's a, there's a QC process, I'm sure, but they're not all being reviewed. They trust the lender. That's why they're Fannie Mae certified. But that's why we haven't had it. However, if you get one, a lender, and it says, oh, this they don't have enough insurance, blacklist, 100% blacklist. How do you get off? How do you prove once you get the insurance? Because it's going to have to change. Something is going to have to break in California. I don't know if it's the you know different types of policies or separating out wildfire or. Well, we we can get into that just briefly. The legislature has to make some changes. Correct. They need to uh, approve the a definition of what wildfire means, change the standard fire policy form, etc. But. That's a whole nother podcast. 100%. However, when it does change, how are you going to get the communities off the blacklist? My tip would be go back to the person that told you you were on it. You, you have to do a little investigating. The biggest issue that's kind of in this world is transparency. Number one, associations aren't the most transparent sometimes. If you ask them, do you, are you, do you have a special assessment? Is a special assessment coming up? There's one being discussed, but they're not really sure, and they, they, they're not going to disclose it. It's still an executive session. like It's still out there. But then I buy a condo, and a year later, I've got a $25,000 special assessment that sounds like you knew. But they don't want to tell. They don't have to disclose it legally. It's not there. And then you've got the banks saying, is there a special assessment? Is, and we're going to put you on this blacklist because it looks like there should be one, and it's this transparency. And then education. Whose responsibility is this? Is it the board of directors? Is it the manager? Is it the realtor? Is it the lender? It's a new problem. And I think that's what we all have to realize. Community managers don't go to a CAI course on how to deal with lending issues or what's the new lending criteria. It, it's not there. I, you know, Locally, they've happened, but it's not part of getting your PCAM is understanding the loan process. Right. There's lenders that are that do that, right? Like, th- and that's on an individual homeowner basis. Except it's bleeding into our world. One of the best tips I think that we heard from you today is for these boards and these managers, don't warrant anything on these condo questionnaires you get from the lenders. Just answer the questions that you can, and that's it, right? Well, answer the questions you can, and then provide the documents you have reserve study. Yeah. And I totally appreciate the concept of things that should be private, I guess, or this is the association's business and doesn't need to be on the public website. But it would sure help a lot if that reserve study was easily obtainable. It would, you don't realize you have these issues until you're in the middle of escrow. And your transaction, your forward transaction on your next house is involved. And so if this could be dealt with ahead of time, like I had the most wonderful conversation the other day with a manager. I sent an email. I said, I have an owner that needs to get FHA certification. And she said, we don't qualify. We have timeshares. Beautiful. She was 100% right. We don't qualify. We have timeshares. Or timeshares make you ineligible? Yes. For FHA and Fannie Mae, as far as I, what I know. Yeah. If there's a timeshare within the community, then nobody can get an FHA or a Fannie Mae loan? If they're deeded as partially timeshare, correct. Yeah. Wow. 
there's all kinds of nuances, but that, but the timeshares are a funny business. It's not a residential mortgage at that point. You're, you're depending on something else. These organizations make residential loans, which is why also mixed use developments are funny and you can't have too much commercial usage. If you've got three units on top of a, a department store, what happens if that department store goes bankrupt? Does the association go bankrupt? They just don't have the bandwidth to like figure out each of those situations. So everything is subject to the criteria that percentages of commercial space or percentages of live work, no hotel usage, no timeshare, no resort for FHA, no short-term leasing. There's lots of, lots of nuances that are in there. Interesting. So from a best practices standpoint, you'd recommend that communities just try to get their certification for FHA, VA beforehand, before the issue comes up as soon as possible. I would either. So this is another tricky thing. Like it, it always sounds self-serving and I'm like, yes, I absolutely think every condo should try to get approved. You don't necessarily have to get approved. I understand why you wouldn't sometimes if you've got a smaller community, not many transfers going on, things like that, or your very high dollar value, your units are $2 million. This wouldn't be for you, but it wouldn't hurt to know what the criteria is. A manager 100% knows what the percentage of assessments is going into the reserve fund. They know that allocation. That's a number that can be done. They know how many owner-occupied units they are. They know if they're 100% insured for replacement costs. These are things that if they could just be easily disclosed, you can tell your owners at this time, we don't qualify for this type of financing because of this reason. So that when you go to sell your house, everybody has a little more education than they did before. Fair enough. So it would just be to, and to also like finally understand and like admit to ourselves in this industry that we're part of this process. We are 100% part of this process and we are going to have to get used to answering these questions and, or having the discussions around these questions. Yeah. And, and probably because Surfside is so fresh in, in the lenders' minds, maybe these restrictions and these guidelines will ease up in the years to come? You know, I don't know. They didn't take them away. <laughs> you know, and we fought back, you know, CAI National and, and a lot of advocacy groups fought back on them and they didn't say, never mind. I think also the market is really, really tight. Everybody's talking about every, I mean, everybody's constantly talking about another crash, but we just got through COVID and we just got through those delinquencies. And in California, California is different. We have to talk nationwide on this. We're in the middle of one of the slowest markets ever. I think I just yesterday, like this is the slowest April in 35 years for housing in Orange County. That's crazy, you know, and because interest rates are so high right now. So everything's slowing down. Everybody's panicking. Like, And in California, we're also dealing with the new balcony inspections. There's going to be a lot of repairs that have to be made. Reserve study laws could come in effect. You know, it's in federally, they, they, there's talk about a federal requirement for reserve studies, which isn't a bad thing, but that costs money. And repairing your balconies costs money. Reserving in loans, special assessments, insurance. How are these people paying for insurance? I know people who aren't reserving. They're taking their money for reserves and paying for insurance. That's not the right way to do it, but. And it's not allowed. <laughs> but who's the police on this? Sure. And they're just trying their best. These boards, what are the decisions they're making? Special assess every owner, $600 a month. 
until the, that emergency special assessment is no longer allowed because now you know about it and next year you have to budget for it. There's so many moving parts to this. There really are. And I think I'm more terrified now after our conversation than, than I was before the conversation. So thank you so much <laughs> for scaring the bejesus out of us. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? The only thing I ever want to say is, you know, we're dealing with people here. We talk about loans and we talk about homes, we talk about insurance, but it really affects the humans, the, the people that live in these houses. And I think sometimes that gets lost because we talk about condos and associations like they are the living, breathing thing. They are not. It's the people inside that are affected that go to work every day and have kids and have families and have to pay their bills. And they call me on the phone crying because they can't get out of the situation they're in. And they did everything right. You know, they saved their money. They have down payment. They can make their mortgage payment, but they have to get out of it because now they have a special assessment and they can't afford it. But now they can't get out of it because they have a special assessment. And it's so tricky. And so you, I always just encourage everybody just to be like kind and like listen to these people and then try to help them as much as possible in our parameters. But that's the only thing I've just noticed recently is we kind of forget that they're human beings. Yeah. And that's, we're all here to support other human beings. It just, this industry can seem so cold sometimes because it's all talking about units and lots and ADUs and this, and this is what we're doing, but there's people that live there. Right. And the community's decisions, the board's actions have an effect on real life people and their livelihood. Yeah. We, we do tend to forget that. Most people are honestly trying to make it work. You know, like the people that live in these condos, they're not investors. They're not, you know, land barons. This is the only home they own. This is their home. They bought it. They were so excited to buy it. And now it's turning into a bad experience. So that's just my tidbit. I, it seems so um, esoteric, too, for me to say that. Like, if you know me as a person, I would never be like, we have to remember the people. But we really do. That's sage advice. I, I love it. Natalie, where can our listeners go to reach out to you or learn more about your business? Oh, um, you can visit my website, which is fhareview.com. You can give me a call, 714-536-6500, or email me, natalie, at fhareview.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. That's our show. A special thanks to Natalie Stewart and FHA Review. As we end our episode, we'd like to remind our listeners that if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for topics you'd like to learn more about, you can email feedback at hoashow.org. Join us next time on The HOA Show. To share or subscribe to The HOA Show, visit us at hoashow.org. There, you'll be able to listen to other episodes, find helpful resources relating to HOAs, provide feedback, submit questions, and check out other great stuff. The HOA Show podcast has been made possible by the contributions of Klein Agency insurance brokers, leaders in the community association industry. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast, its presenters and guests do not constitute legal advice. For more information on how the topics and discussion apply to you, please consult with your own legal counsel.